What's up, church planners and church planning enthusiasts? My name is Jared Huntley, and I'm with my good friend and fellow planter in arms, Matt Hess. What's up, Matt? What's going on, brother? Not much. Guys, you are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by everyday church planners for the everyday church planner. So whether you are a lead church planter, you're on a church planting team, or you're just a fan of church planting, then this podcast is for those of you who want to get in the trenches and advance the kingdom of God. Uh, We've got uh, another special guest today. We're excited to have Mac Lake on the podcast. Mac is uh, the leadership pipeline navigator for Oxano. Uh, Mac, he's married to Cindy. He's got three kids and and three grandkids. And uh, Max, uh, I know he's left a mark on on our church, Fellowship Oshawa, and he's left a mark on Matt's church, Fellowship Pickering. Uh, his leadership development stuff has been uh, just gold for us. Mm-hmm. And so we're really excited to have him on today and just to pick his brain and talk about uh, developing leaders. So Mac, thanks for coming on. How you doing? Very good. Good to be with you guys. Excited about the conversation today. We are too. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, Mac, I guess we'll just get started off by asking you, how did you get into leadership development from church planting? Because you've planted churches in the past. So uh, what got you doing what you're doing today? Yeah, I planted a church uh, in 1997 in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Myrtle Beach. And, uh, you know, by the grace of God, that church started growing. We were reaching lost people like crazy, uh, baptizing a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it was so exciting. It was so fun. And... Uh, you know, a couple of years into it, I was like, wow, uh, we don't have enough leaders to help disciple and disciple these people and help lead the church. Yeah. And so I knew I had to do something. And so just started doing different things and experimenting with different things uh, with leadership development, started taking some key people through uh, leadership books. I started doing leadership events. And I just really began to see people's response to that type of development. And, uh, you know, as I would do development, people would come back and go, wow, thank you so much. This was so good. What you did with us, I just did with my team at work. Or uh, I just used that in my business. Or, wow, I just applied that at school and really begin to see these leaders not just grow their leadership competencies to uh, to utilize in the church, but to utilize and to increase their impact and influence in the community as well. So next thing I know, leadership development just became a passion for me. And um, and so that became a, a pretty big emphasis. And then uh, seven years into the plant, uh, long story, I won't get into that, but God just really uh, did a work and called me to go to Seacoast Church, which is a large multi-site church in Charleston, South Carolina, and I was the uh, I became the leadership development pastor there, and that's where that fueled my passion even more for for leadership development. Okay, well, that's awesome, man. So I guess you probably you know since that passion for leadership development started during your time in church planning, you probably. Uh, learned a lot about leadership development while you were church planning. What are what are some of the lessons maybe that church planning taught you about leadership development? Yeah, yeah, great question. I, I think one of the biggest things that I learned is when leadership development becomes reproducible, it's unstoppable. Mm, that's good. And, and, and a lot of planters, a lot of pastors never they, they might do leadership development, but it's in, it's just intuitive to them, you know, and you say, well, hey, you just developed that person. How'd you do that? Well, yeah. I don't know. I just hung out with them and, and it just happened. It's just it's just intuitive. Well, 
what I was, what I discovered is I was taking guys through a, through a book and I saw the transformation. There was a little process I would use. And then I'd take another group through that book and another group. And I was like, wow, this, this works. And then they can start taking people through, through the book, the way I took them through it. So it became very intentional, became reproducible. And that means it's just going to keep, keep moving on. So that, that was one of the big things I learned. And then the second thing I would say is for a long time, I looked at leadership development as something different than discipleship. Oh, that's good. And, and I don't do that anymore. You know, I, I go leadership development is an extension of discipleship. Yes. Mm-hmm. And when I was when, whenever I'm doing leadership development or the discipling of a leader, my goal is not to help them learn how to turn my ministry widget. You know, that is so short sighted yeah. and not substantive, you know. So when, when I'm working with somebody, I want to say, hey, I want to help you learn to live a biblical lifestyle of leadership so you can become a better leader at home, at work and in the community, as well as as well as church. So I, I think those were a couple big things I learned during during that time. Man, Mac, you said something there that just like really resonated talking about uh, not separating leadership development from discipleship. So I, mean, I just kind of want to hit in on that. You said ministry widget. We're not trying to get our people to turn our ministry widgets. And that's that's a goal. Like we've been talking a lot about that in the fellowships uh, about how we're, we're implementing these uh, principles that you've taught us. And it's not about trying to get God's people to do the work that we don't want to do. It's, it's, yeah. it's actually about getting them onto the mission of God mm-hmm. and letting them see the bigger picture. But man, I, I think before I ask you this other question, would you just, for our listeners, would you just give us your definition of what is leadership? Hmm. Like what is leadership? What, what is a leader? Because man, I am so tired. We have this conversation all the time. I am so tired of it's like the five fold church planner, right? We, 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 we think that we can go out and find this perfect guy and he's going to be the guy and he's going to be the story and all this kind of stuff. But man, those guys are like unicorns. They don't exist. And yeah. so I, I feel like we need to stop this idea of, man, you are the perfect leader or you can be a leader because you have everything it takes and just kind of tap into that for a second, share that with us about what is your definition of leadership and maybe how we need to even lower the bar a little bit to even invite people into that leadership development relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, I think Matt, a lot of times the big mistake we make when we're defining leader is we look at it as a position. We, and honestly in the church, a lot of times we look at Hey, I need somebody to fill this leadership position, and we're we're putting him in a position to do the work rather than to lead people. Yeah, that's good. And and, and a leader is somebody who is providing direction for a group of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not somebody you're putting in position to do the tactical aspects of of a role. Mm. And. And so, uh, so I think we, we, we either misdefine leadership, uh, or, or we misunderstand it when we put somebody in a role and, and then we get frustrated because they're like, well, they're not developing anybody. They're not providing direction. Well, you never, that's not the expectation you put on them. You never told them to lead a group of people. You just told them to get the work done. So they do it themselves. So we actually 
equip people to be doers rather than leaders. Wow. That's Mac. I, I really love uh, just what you're saying about in the concept of, of leaders are not people that you bring in to turn the ministry widgets. Yeah. And so just for, for our listeners, uh, what I hear you saying is that, for example, if we need somebody who can, you know, be like our operations director, you know, the guy or the girl who's in charge of making sure things get set up on Sunday morning, mm-hmm. right? Uh, mm-hmm. where, if we're looking at, if we're looking for somebody who can just come in and make sure that all the chairs get put up in the right place and the lights and the sound are just right. And you know, the, the mic checks get done. If, if we're just looking for somebody who can make those things happen, then we're not really developing leaders. Yeah. Really the primary thing we should be looking for is we should be looking for somebody who's going to pour into the rest of the people on that setup and teardown team. Who's going yeah. to disciple them, yeah. who, who yeah. are going to invest in their lives. That's because I think if we don't, if we don't do that and we're just looking for somebody who can make sure the chairs get set up right and the lights and sound are right, then we have Man. lost focus of what we're really here to do. And now we're just making sure the wheels keep turning on the machine. And we're just, uh, you know, it, it just starts to take over and, and consume. And I think we're losing sight of why we even have a Sunday morning service in the first place. Yeah, man. Wow. That's so, oh. that's so good, man, because in church, we need to repent because if we're being honest, if church planners mm-hmm. that are listening, if we're being honest, I, I, I talk to church planners all the time, weekly, Sometimes daily. And I think if we're being honest, church planners would be content if we just had people to do that stuff. No. We're not we're not really we're not really passionate about developing leaders. We really just want people to get the things done mm-hmm. so that we can preach or so that we can have our cast our vision or whatever it might be. We're not inviting people into the vision. Mm-hmm. That's what leadership no. development's about. Wow. What would you say, Mac? Yeah. And what really you guys that I think a lot of times we are sacrificing our lay leader's calling on the altar of our ministry. Wow. So in other words, we're looking at somebody and saying, hey, I need you to fill this leadership position. Yeah. And all we care about is that our, our role is filled. And yeah. we don't look at them as a holistic, from a holistic perspective, I think one of the key conversations we need to have somebody when we recruit them into leadership is tell me what God's calling is on your life. Mm. And now how can I help? How can you help? uh, How can I help you uh, fulfill that in the context of our church, but much broader than that as well? Yeah. And we're worried about our calling and not their calling. Wow. And we've got to flip that around. Man, that's good. Mac, what are, as, as you look at all your years in uh, ministry and then church planning specifically, I mean, church planners, we only know what we know. And so I'm, I remember looking back on our journey and if, if I've always been passionate about leadership since, the, since about 19 or 20, but I, I did a poor job of developing leaders in the beginning of our church plant. And um, I, I think that it's just because I had been a part of churches and systems that I hadn't seen it done well. I hadn't seen good systems or, or, or processes for it. And so that's kind of my take. But what are the top three reasons that pastors don't develop leaders? Because we all need, we say the same thing. We need more leaders. We need more leaders. But then we don't develop leaders. So what are a few reasons that you've seen why pastors don't actually develop leaders? Uh, yeah, great question. Num- number one is... 
they don't develop leaders because they were never developed themselves. Mm. They were th- they were thrown into leadership. They learned the hard way. So they've never seen a reproducible model of leadership development done. Therefore, they, they, they don't know how to do it. They've never seen it modeled. So they, they just do to others what was done to them. And they just pick people up and throw them into the swimming pool of leadership and, yeah. you know, uh, teaching them how to swim. And good people, luck, you know, yeah, good <laughs> luck. And they nearly drown and they get out and go, you know what? I'm never getting near the swimming pool of leadership again. Mm. Um, so I, I think that's one reason is we just never had it modeled for us. So we don't know how to reproduce that. Secondly, is uh, we're afraid of letting go of control. Uh, if I if I am developing somebody, that means I need to let go of some things that I'm doing to give them swings at the plate to 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 learn how to do that. Well, for me to do that, I have to let go of control, and I have to be okay with failure. You know, failure is beautiful. I mean, failure is the messy soil in which leadership development happens. And, you know, a wise leadership developer will capitalize on the failures, uh, help minimize, but also capitalize on the failures of a, of a leader in training. So I think it controls the second reason. And then, unfortunately, the third reason is ego. Uh, our ego gets in the way of equipping as well. Nobody can do it as good as me. Um you know, uh, church the, planners the, with ego. That sounds church, <laughs> church planners with ego. I don't know yeah. about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, I think ego gets in, in the way. And as part of that, uh, we get addicted to being the hero. Mm. We get addicted to people's applause hmm. and therefore I share significant roles. If I share significant leadership roles with somebody, they might get the applause. People might look at them. So now all of a sudden I'm training somebody to lead the the training meeting or a staff meeting or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now that person's in the light mm-hmm. and I'm not. Mm-hmm. They may do it better than me and that might hurt my ego. So Whew. I back off a little Man, Mac, that's so good because, you know, I think a lot of times when we think about leadership development, we think of it uh, strictly in terms of, you know, church growth, right? Like, so leadership development is how I can grow my ministry or grow my church, or or we can even plant more churches, right? Uh, Thank God we've got a greater emphasis on that now. Uh, But we can even, you know, start to just solely focus on growth. But what I'm hearing you say, and what I love about this is that leadership development is a heart issue. Yeah. Um, and, and it's an obedience issue really to, to scripture. And I think when, you know, when we don't develop leaders, uh, many times the reason behind that is because our heart's not right. Hmm. Uh, and if our heart is truly right with the Lord and we're truly uh, abiding, uh, in Christ and we are making disciples, obeying the great commission, then uh, leadership development is going to be a part of that. That's going to be a natural outflow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Matt, you asked me a question earlier, and and I didn't fully answer it. I want to go back to it because I want to yeah. give your listeners something. When I was a church planter, you asked me what's the definition of a leader. Yeah. Uh, when I was a church planter, I gave my team a definition of leader. Hmm. And so each of my – and these were all volunteers. My, my student director, groups director, worship director, they were all volunteers. But I said, I want to tell you what leaders are. 
and here's my definition of leaders, and this is the this is the basis of your job description, and it spells leaders. And so it's uh, L is leadership development. I, I expect you to be doing uh, ongoing training for those on your team. Uh, e is empowerment. That is delegating the roles and responsibilities to ensure that your area is operating effectively, uh, not you doing it all yourself. A is affirmation. That's encouraging your team members and the use of their gifts, their strengths, catching people doing right, you know, yeah. uh, helping healthy team culture. D is direction, uh, casting a compelling vision for your department that's in alignment with the overall vision of the church. Uh, the next E is evaluation, leading your team through uh, regular identif- uh, evaluation, identifying areas where you can always get better. R is recruitment, working with your team members to always be finding new team members. Mm. And then S is soul care, encourage the spiritual development and health of those on your team. Wow. So if my directors were, were, were doing those things, they were being the leaders that I needed them to be. Wow, that's powerful, man. That's a pretty good definition. That's a pretty good. That, I, that's I, I'm going to take that definition. I think I like that. I like that definition. <laughs> that's gold, man. That's gold. Well, Mac. Um, so we, uh, I wanted to talk to you about leadership pipelines. Yes, um, yes. I, I, some of our listeners will have heard that term before. Uh, I know if you're in the North American Mission Board and you haven't heard of a leadership pipeline, you've what probably rock been, have you probably yeah, you're you're living under a rock. Uh, so I wanted to know if you could uh, maybe just describe what is a leadership pipeline and why is it so critical for church plants to have? Yeah, a leadership pipeline is simply a way to structure your church for development. So, yeah. you know, one of the first things you do when you uh, when you plan your church plant is you draw out an organizational structure. Mm-hmm. And the organizational structure is really important because it shows you how the roles function with each other. Yeah. But in a typical organization chart, nobody's thinking development. So leadership pipeline says, hey, uh, there are certain levels of leadership in your organization. And it starts at the bottom, the biggest pool of people in your in your church in your leadership pipeline is people who lead themselves. Well, those people will flow up a pipeline to become, uh, uh, to, to lead others. Mm. And then the next level of the pipeline, those, some of those people flow up and they will lead leaders. Some of those people will flow up, not all of them, some of them will flow up to lead departments. And some of those will flow up to the, to the next level, which is lead the organization. Mm. And which is like an executive pastor, senior pastor, or a future church planter. Hmm. And so you can actually take those levels and align those across every single ministry in your church simply by saying, hey, here's how we're going to align it. We have five levels in our church, team member, leader, coach, director, senior leader team. And uh, you can you can use that, that terminology across every ministry in your church and have those levels in every ministry of your church. And what it does, the value of it, it now gives you a developmental pathway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if somebody comes to me and says, uh, and this, when I was leadership development pastor at Seacoast, it happened all the time. We were a multi-site church. And so people in the congregation would come to me and go, Hey, I want to be a campus pastor of, uh, I'd love to be a campus pastor of one of our future campuses. And so I would put, draw the leadership pipeline, and I'd say, okay, well, let me ask you a question. Here's here's our leadership pipeline. Are you in a small group? Yeah, I'm in a small group. Great, great. Okay, that's good. Are you 
Are you leading a small group? That's the leading others level. No, I'm not leading a small group. Okay, great. That's your next step. You know, you want to be a campus pastor one day. Your next step is to lead a small group and learn to lead at that level. Then after you do that for a year, then, hey, we'll work you up to a coach and you'll oversee some small group leaders. And then, you know, if it all works out and you're growing, we'll we'll move you to a staff position where you oversee small group coaches Mm -hmm. and then we'll train campus pastor. Mm -hmm. So it gives you a developmental path. It's very clear and simple to use. Well, Mac, so I have a follow-up question. This is something that we've actually uh, struggled with at times. What do you do if you've got a, you know, you've got an organizational chart, right? So you've got these five levels and then you've got different departments or you might have four levels or it might even be three, whatever, right? And you've got these, Mm. these different departments. You may have your, you know, your, uh, you know, pastoral care discipleship department and you've got your, you know, operations, which would be your setup, you know, everything to do with Sunday morning. You might have your outreach. What do you do when you're a church plant and you've got maybe 20 committed people (laughs) and you don't have enough leaders to fill those spots? Um, Is is this possible for a church plant who doesn't even have enough leaders to fill their organizational chart? Yeah, yeah. So what you do is you plan out for what you want to have. Yeah. And so I started an organization eight years ago. One of the first things I did is I, I drew out the leadership pipeline. It was me and a couple of other people, but I had a leadership pipeline that was reflective of several hundred people because hmm. I knew eventually it, it would be that. So I drew out an org chart and a, and a leadership pipeline, uh, and my, my particular one had five levels, and literally, you know, projected five years from now, we will have hundreds of people, and this is how many we'll need at each level, and this is the roles they will fill. But guess what? My name was in the you know the top <laughs> the top boxes you know it almost <laughs> you know I was at every level yeah. you know starting out and what that does it shows you okay here's here's what I'm doing here's what you know Joe is doing you know five positions right now I'm doing six you know and that's really but then you ask yourself the question which one is the most important that I work myself. <clears throat> next that's good that's good I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and, and here, here's the thing we got to do i'm going to look for somebody who's willing because one of the biggest mistakes we make is we look for readiness rather than willingness mm-hmm. just look for willingness not yeah. readiness. and so i'm going to identify somebody that's willing and then i'm going to mentor them walk with them and develop them over a period of time to learn to do what i do in that box and then you know uh, eventually empower them and turn it over to them. So it, it, yeah, you're right. You might, you know, back then I was filling a lot of spots, but, uh, but eventually those spots became filled by many, many, many other people. Wow. That's good. Mike, man, we, you know, for our listeners, um, we were feeling this, we're, we're, we're going to turn five in October, the church out of the privilege of survey. And, uh, you know, we were feeling this really, this big time tension probably at around year two and a half to year three and it's it's about when you and i met and when we started to have this conversation and taking our team through this and and starting to implement in our church i mean we have realized like this is one of our problems we we didn't have the structure we didn't have the pipeline we were just kind of doing Mm it you know, organically, which means we weren't doing it. And, um, so, and so like, so, you know, the more we kind of built this in, it's been incredible. And 
but I can I can hear the pushback. I can already hear the pushback because I know you probably get it all the time. But man, back in uh, November, I went down to the states uh, on sabbatical, and uh, I remember I had a conversation with the pastor of a of a big church, and I was talking to him about leadership development and about pipeline, and he was just picking uh, my brain, asking me all kinds of questions. And the more we, after about two to three hours, he mm. came out and said, "Like we don't have any process." And it blew me away that a church that size had no process. And as we began to talk, he said, "But you know, Matt, they didn't have any of that, any of this in the Bible." And uh, there's so many people that I hear that they say, you know, and so why is it so critical for churches and church plans, specifically to our audience? You know, some guys will just say, I'm going to depend on the Holy Spirit to raise up that leader. And of course we do. I mean, we are desperate without the Spirit of God. Like we are we are in trouble without the Spirit of God. He has to show up. He has to move. He has to he has to get God's doing something right now in in this network, man, that is only from the Spirit of God. And and we're leaning into that and we're we're seeking the face of God like never before. But I want our listeners to hear your heart for this, uh, brother, because there are so many church planners that I that I hear that say this kind of thing. They say, you know, like God's going to do what He's going to do. Can you just speak into that? What's wrong with that approach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great question. Um, I, I, it's funny. I, I have church planters sometimes. They'll say, "Hey, I'm getting ready to launch my church in a few months," and I say, "Oh, great. how many are you expecting? Oh, 500 people. Oh, okay, go on. <laughs> you must be planting in the south." <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and, and 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 so I hear a guy talk about that, and and the, and I've had him even say, "Hey, pray that 500 people will show up for my first Sunday." Uh-huh. And I look at him. Okay, well, hey, well, tell me what you're doing to develop leaders. Yeah. Oh, I I I, I don't have a plan. I said, well, God's probably not going to answer your prayer because why would he do his part if you're not doing your part? Yeah. Why why would he give you 500 people if you're not doing your part to be to to be ready to receive 500 people and steward their their soul well? And so. uh, So, yeah, we we got God's going to do his part. We got to trust the spirit, but we also have to do our part. Yeah, Uh, it, it, it saddens me that so many, so many pastors see structure and system as anti-spiritual. Amen. But when you look in the scripture, anytime there was growth or advancement, yep. what was the solution? The solution that God gave mm. was structure and systems. Yeah. So when when Moses was in Exodus 18 was burning out and Jethro you know, and he was mobilizing the people to go to the promised land. Mm-hmm. Okay, so movement was happening, but he was burning himself out along the way. You know, God sent Jethro his way and didn't say, "Hey Moses, yeah. you need to pray more. You need to stay up later and work harder." Yeah. Well, you just trust God that these people's problems will get solved. No, he said, "You need to put a structure in place." And, and here's here's even better one. Paul and Titus went to Crete, and I don't know what they did there, but evangelism, you know, evangelistic outreach broke out, hmm. and people were getting saved. And so Paul was like, hey, Titus, I have to leave. I got to go back, but I need you to stay. Yeah. And this is what I need you to do. I need you to set up a leadership structure because we don't want to lose the ground we gained. Yeah. So I need to establish elders in, in, in on the island of Crete, establish elders so that the movement we started can keep going, and somebody can provide leadership. In in in, uh, in the Gospels, 
twice we see when Jesus sent the 12, when Jesus sent the 72, what did he say? Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth workers. Yes. Yeah. Jesus was saying, hey, guys, you're going to blow in town in one of these little villages. You're going to present the gospel and people are going to respond. And, and I need you to pray that God will raise up a spiritual leader in that village. Yeah. And and so Jesus had already traveled through Galilee twice, spreading the gospel. People evidently responded. So when he sent the 12 and the 72, he was saying, I need you to continue to do the gospel, spread the gospel. But as you go, identify leaders in those villages so that somebody can provide spiritual leadership. Mm-hmm. Talking about putting a structure in place. Wow. Yep. Man, I, you know, I just... I'm thankful for your ministry, Mac. I mean this because, uh, you know, I, and, and I know Jared and I was talking a little bit about that. We prayed before we even uh, got in touch with you this morning, man. But like, I, I I believe that God is doing something right now on the east end of Toronto and really all throughout the GTA. I, I believe that we believe that the spirit's about to fall in this place. Mm-hmm. And I want mm-hmm. our listeners to, to hear that and understand that this organization and this structure it's not a it's not a hurdle to God's mm-hmm. movement. It's it's fuel for God's movement because I believe that because we've done the work, because we've put in these pipelines, because we're equipping our planners, because we're equipping our leaders that when God's spirit does fall and when revival does come, it's going to be ready. We're going to be ready for it. We've prepared our hearts, we've prepared our people, we've prepared yeah. the systems. And I think that Yes, God is good, and and yes, God gives us so much grace, but how much more could we see God move and work if we do the hard work and if we put in the time to put in systems that are mm-hmm. biblical, like yeah. you just said, they're biblical. We see it yeah. all throughout the Word of God that this is God's plan. Hey, I, I just had a, a question kind of come into my mind because I was thinking you know, about what Matt was saying and how... I believe it's true that uh, you know structure doesn't hinder the work of the Holy Spirit. I think that uh, the Spirit moves in and through structure. But I know that you know nowadays there's huge pushback, and I think for many reasons, rightly so, on institutionalization. Yeah. What's the difference between institutionalization and structure? Mm-hmm. Yeah, institutionalization is lifeless. Oh. It. 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 it, it. It doesn't expand. It's not fluid. It doesn't make exceptions. It follows. It follows rigid policies mm-hmm. and structures and 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 procedures. And it doesn't bend to. Uh, I, I used to tell my team when I worked at North American Mission Board, we go into different cities and we do work with different cities. We had our structure. We had our systems. But when we go in, sometimes we'd face a situation. And and I would look at one of the key leaders in that city and he said, hey, I don't, I don't want you to follow this system. I don't want you to follow this structure. I, I want to bend it for you. And my team looked at me one time and said, why, why do you do that? That's not fair. I said, no, it is fair because, you see, we have to adapt to his context. That's right. Mm-hmm. Adapt to his situation. Okay. We can't always force somebody to adapt to ours. So I got to look and I have to ask the question, what is the wise thing to do yeah. with the and, and honestly, 90% of the time, it is to follow the structure and system that's in place. But there's 10% of the time that says, hey, what's best for you is to go outside this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what you're talking about is sensitivity to the spirit, right? You're, yeah. The spirit of God. I mean, that's the difference, man, between institutions and structure. I mean, there's the, being sensitive 
to what the spirit is saying to you. And it's his show. It's his game. It's not ours. We're just, you know, we're conduits, we're vessels. And so, Mm -hmm. man, Mac, I feel like we could talk to you all day about these things. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I I know we're getting limited on time. But man, what, what are some concrete steps that church planners can take like today? I mean, like right away, because, man, I've been there. And um, even right now, man, I'm, I'm thinking about that moment where I burned out. And I look back on my burnout two years ago, and so much of what we're talking about right now had to do with my burnout. Because my wife and I were trying to do everything. We were trying, and, and even the few leaders that came, we were like, okay, you do this, you do that. And we're multiplying at such a rate, and God's a blessing. And, and we're like, this is really good. But then you get alone, and you're like, it doesn't feel good. You know what I'm saying? And like, I think there's so many church planners that are in that place, man. They're tired and they're ready to throw in the towel. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about, to our listeners, we're not talking about just like leadership development. We're talking about your future, man. Like we're talking about like having joy again in Christ, having, having, it's more than just putting together some structure in your church. That's not what we're talking about. So, so what are some concrete steps for those planners that, that today they can get started. They can start to pour into leaders. They can start with this pipeline. They can start doing that stuff right now. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great question. Yeah. I'm afraid that many church planters are the lid to, they are the lid to the growth of their church because they're not doing, they're not discipling the leaders around them. Uh, And so I would say, uh, to to uh, a church planter out there, it's it's not the, the volume of leaders that you produce. That's not what matters. Okay, mm. it's your voice and visibility in the process. So here here's what I would challenge church planter to do: identify one or two, maybe three leaders that that you will begin to consistently invest in. Yeah. You uh, real simple thing to do is say hey. To, to these three, hey, I want I want us to walk through this leadership book together, okay? And you you give them a give them a leadership book of your choice, and say here's the area I want us to grow in, and this book will help us grow in this area. You tell them to read chapter one and two, not the whole thing. Just tell them to read chapter one and two, or just chapter one or whatever, and you give them these questions: What stood out to you? What challenged you? What questions did it raise? What leadership strength did it affirm? What uh, leadership growth area did this chapter reveal for you? What scripture illustrates or teaches the principles you read about in this uh, uh, in this chapter? Hmm. And how can you put this into practice before we meet? Okay, you just take those yeah. questions. Give them those questions on, type them out on a piece of paper, say, read chapter one and two, answer these questions. Now we're going to get together and we're going to talk about your answers. And one of the most important, you know, a couple of the most important questions in that list is what scripture illustrated or taught that? Because now you're getting to on the aspect of developing their character as well as their competency. And then the, the other really important question on that list is how are you going to put this into practice before we meet? Because you want to look at them and say, Okay, what did you do? How did it go? What did you do well? What could you have done better? So you just sit and have that discussion with them. And then, uh, so, so you know, step one was identify three guys. Step two, give them a book with uh, uh, a reading assignment with those questions. And then step three is observe them in action and give them feedback. 
So this might be your student director, might be your group's director, might be your worship director. So you, hey, we're going through this book together. Last week we learned this. Hey, I saw you doing it. I saw you putting this principle into practice. Great job. It's affirming them. That's the other big thing is we got church planners have to get in the habit of catching people doing things right mm. and praising them for those things because what gets praised gets repeated. Yeah. And uh, But most of the time, we feel so much emotional ownership on our church plant and how it is run that we have a tendency to catch people doing things wrong rather than right yep. and destroy their confidence rather than build their confidence. Mm, as wow. Man, that is good. Matt, Jared's about to close us out, Matt, but man, I, I, I just feel that I got to ask you this, bro, because when I know there was a time in my life where my mentor, my pastor, he, he looked me square in the eyes and he told me he saw something in me. Yeah. And, and I can't even articulate to this day what that did for my soul. Mm-hmm. And could you just speak into maybe a personal moment like when, when that happened in your life and mm. the power of what what takes place when one leader goes to somebody else and says, I see something in you that mm. only God can do. But if you allow me, I would mm-hmm. love to go on that journey with you. Mm. Matt, I was saved when I was nine years old in a little country church in West Virginia. Yeah. By the time I was 13, I knew I was called to ministry. And by God's grace, he's kept me faithful and walking with him you know, ever since. But I was an extremely shy kid, mm. voted the shyest kid in my ninth grade class. <laughs> uh, I wanted to serve God with my whole heart. I wanted to serve the church, but I didn't feel adequate. Mm. And uh, but you know, my mom said, well, hey, you don't feel adequate. Hey, that that's good. That's a good thing. Go yeah. on to Bible college. And so I did. I went on to Bible college and then went to seminary. And when I was in seminary, you know, I was failing my way forward through ministry and doing the best I could. No confidence. All of a sudden, a pastor in Dallas, Texas, pulled me aside one day and said, Mac, I see something in you. And I want you to come to my office every Tuesday. I'm going to give you something to read. I want to sit down with you, and I want you to come with a list of questions. And because, Mac, I see you being a part of the long-range vision of this church. Mm-hmm. And he he cast a huge vision for this church, and he painted me in the picture. And I was like, me? <laughs> not me. I mean, I'm, I'm not a good leader. I'm not a leader. I'm just a doer. Yeah. And he, he walked with me for two years, totally kept having the I see in you conversations. Let me tell you what I see in you. Yeah. Let me tell you what I think God's doing in your life. Let me tell you what I think God can do through you yeah. constantly until all of a sudden I begin to realize that's the voice of God. God's using this man to totally help me see myself through God's eyes. Mm-hmm. And I think as as church planters, God loves the mission we're on, and God sends us people who yes. are not ready, yes. but they're willing and they're shapeable. And God's saying, hey, I want you to turn this. I want you to work with these people and turn them. I don't want, I didn't send them to you so you can just serve them and do it all yourself. No, I'm sending you people so you can equip some of those people to do leadership development, empowerment, affirmation, direction, evaluation, recruitment, and soul care so that you're not providing the leadership yourself. I told a pastor, I told a church planter this yesterday. He's feeling the weight and he's feeling the burden. I looked at him and I said, you are not the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. You are a part of the body of Christ. That's right. But you are acting like and you're feeling the weight and you're taking on the emotions as if you are the body of Christ. Every time somebody leaves, 
you feel the ownership of that. Mm. Every time something fails, you feel the ownership of that. Every time somebody's not cared for well, you feel the ownership of that. You are not the body of Christ. Mm. You're wow. a part of Christ. Wow. Man, and my job as leader is to raise up others mm. to effectively serve in the body of Christ so that the body can function as Christ designed it to. Mm. Man, man, that's so good, Mac. It, it reminds wow. me, uh, you know, uh, I learned uh, that principle, kind of what you're talking about from Clint Clifton. I don't know how many churches, yeah. uh, church planters that Clint has sent out, um, yeah. but you know, I, I know that I've uh, I heard how he would go up to these guys, a lot of times new believers or or young believers that sometimes weren't even close to being ready to plant, but he would just mm. sit them down over coffee and look them in the eye and say, "Hey, I think that I, you know I see potential in you. I see leadership in you." And yeah. I think God can plant it. Uh, God can use you to plant a church. Uh, if you want to do it, I'll teach you how. And, yeah. <laughs> and so because of that, you know, I mean, he's he's planted and sent out so many church planters. Yeah. Uh, it's something I've learned. It's just it's so good, man. Powerful. Um, mm-hmm. Man, I, Mac, thanks so much for Absolutely, just coming bro. on. I just um, I just sense the Holy Spirit even in this conversation, Absolutely. just guiding it. And uh, I really believe that God's going to use it to be a blessing for a lot of people. And Mac, I wanted to uh, also, there might be some listeners that are uh, wanting more. You know, they want, yeah. uh, they really want to start implementing some of these leadership development principles, but maybe they need some help. So uh, I know that you've got a couple of ways uh, that you can help uh, planters uh, or uh, pastors or leaders. So you want to tell our listeners about some of the ways they can, uh, they can follow some of your stuff. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, all you have to do is go to maclakeonline.com, M-A-C-L-A-K-E online.com. And there you'll find uh, YouTube videos. The YouTube videos are designed to help you learn how to be a leadership developer. And uh, I release a new video every Tuesday. Uh, you'll see blog posts on leadership, just my thoughts on leadership, things like that there uh, as well. And then uh, I actually do several versions of a leadership pipeline coaching and consulting. Uh, Most uh, recently, I'll be kicking off a leadership pipeline one-year coaching group. And so there's information on that on that website as well. Awesome. And I can definitely attest personally to the videos, man. They're, they're awesome. Incredible videos. Very good. They're short, you know, they're short, uh, short and sweet. And we'll uh, have ADD, man. Yeah. Mac knows that. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And just every, every time I watch one, I learn something new and uh, it's really incredible. Now I know I said that the Holy Spirit has been permeating this entire interview and he's probably about to leave because of this question that I'm about to ask. (laughs) (laughs) So, Hey Mac, I was thinking as we were talking, I know that, that you and Peyton Jones are, are close, uh, that, you, that you guys know each other. And so Peyton's got an incredible podcast called Hardcore Church Planning, right? Hardcore. And, and one of the things that Peyton where, likes to do, know you know where this is going. I'm, sw- I'm turning the tables. I'm turning the tables. So so Peyton likes to ask his, people that he interviews, you know, if uh, they would win in a fight between themselves and somebody else. So I've got to ask, Matt, who would win in a fight between you and Peyton? A fist yeah. fight. <laughs> Here, here's what would happen. We would stand off face to face, just like Indiana Jones and that giant guy in, in the Indiana Jones movie. We would stare each other down. Peyton would pull out his ninja stars, his Star Wars sword. He would pull out his lightsaber. Nerd. He would pull out all the tools. And then 
I would just obliterate him. I would just obliterate him. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like the makings of a great movie. Wow. Yes. I like it, man. I like it. Wow. Awesome. But I would do it in love because uh, he's one of my favorite people on the planet. I love that guy. Yeah. That guy, if you're not listening to his podcast, man, you got to get it. He's he is a voice that um, that North America needs. Absolutely, right now. absolutely. I think he's a prophetic voice for sure. He is a prophetic voice. Yes. Absolutely. So, so yeah. The, the the true answer is as he would stand there, I would fall on my knees before him. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's power and humility, Mac. There you go. <laughs> Well, hey, Mac, thanks so much for yes. coming on, thanks, brother. brother. And, uh, and we're, we're just grateful for your wisdom. And uh, we're continuing to uh, – we just pray that this blesses uh, our listeners. Uh, we want to thank our listeners for uh, tuning in today. Um, so make sure you head over to our website, www.getinthetrenches.com. And you can find other episodes there. And also we'll have links to Mac's website in the show notes. Uh, you can find those on our website as well. Uh, and hey, we need your help getting the word out about In the Trenches Church Planning Podcast. So if this uh, has been beneficial at all to you, then do us a huge favor and head on over to iTunes uh, or Google Play or Stitcher. We're on all of those platforms and and hit the subscribe button and then leave us a written review. And that really will help uh, increase our exposure so that this podcast can get into the hands of more church planners and, and benefit even more planners around North America and around the world. Uh, We'll be back with another episode next Monday. So until then, go out there and get in those trenches, church planners. 